Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you guys braved the elements out there. The snow has been coming down pretty hard, pretty consistently. I know we've got a, a little higher than usual online attendance today, but for all the people on site, it's good to see your smiling faces. Um, who's ready for spring, though? Like, who's, who's ready, ready for some spring? Um, I, I got to tell you, this time of year is hard for me. I am not a big... I'm not a big January, February fan. I'm just not. I don't like this time of year. It's rough. Um, you know, all the Christmas stuff is down, uh, so it's like darker outside. There's no. I will say this though: our Christmas lights are still up on the house and on. Like I, I was <laughs> right. I was determined to get one good snow in with our lights on, right? So I was waiting for the snow to come. So they'll, they'll get shut off sometime soon, but had to get the snow in. But, man, it's hard. It's, it's dark outside. People's lights are off and stuff. Um, you know, there's no, like, big holidays in January and February to look forward to. And what I mean by big is, like, you get together with family. You plan for it, like, this big, big event. There's none of that. And so it's just kind of a, like, depressing time of year. Like, I, I want to fast forward and just get to, like, March Madness and all of that fun stuff. I just want to get to spring as soon as we can. And I know there are actually some people who, this is a, a real thing. Some people actually have seasonal affective disorder. Have you ever heard of this? Where people's moods truly, like, really and truly can be completely and utterly affected by the weather. And a lot of people, it's this time of year. It's January and February that really throw people off. It gets them just feeling depressed and uh, just filled with anxiety and just looking forward to spring. Um, another thing that happens this time of year, it's not a, a, a technical like disorder or anything like that, but I would like to say that uh, I believe worry syndrome, <laughs> worry syndrome, it starts to elevate this time of year, January and February. This is a time when worries and what-ifs are cultivated during this period of time uh, because, what do you know, tax season isn't too awful far away. You're already seeing the commercials for it on TV, right? People saying, uh, come get uh, your taxes done at, at Jackson Hewitt or get TurboTax and get your taxes done. So people are stressing out, kind of like, okay, yeah, that's right, I've got Tax is coming up. I've got to figure this out. I've got to go through that. How much am I going to owe this year, right? Uh, another thing that people worry about this time of year is the cold weather. It just exposes things. If you have a weakness in your house, you have a weakness in your car, this weather will find it, right? It will find it, and it will expose it. Just yesterday, uh, we had pipes that were starting to freeze here at the church. So we had to get an extra heater and plug it in out there. It was just a whole, we were blowing breakers. It, it was just a real fun, awesome time yesterday. Uh, you know, my car, it almost didn't like turn over yesterday morning when it was one degree. It was one degree out. One. Un degree. That's all that it was yesterday. Like anytime the temperature is one syllable, it's not a good thing. It's just not a good thing. And my car barely turned over. And it's, oh my God, geez, am I going to, do I need a new battery? Like what's going on here? So, you know, just, just worries. A lot of worries this time of year. But the thing that we've been talking about as we start off this year is confidence, right? And confidence is kind of the opposite 
of worry. <laughs> and so it, it seems kind of counterintuitive to be talking about confidence at a time when there are so many worries. But what I want to let you know today is that even in the midst of whatever worries you have, whether they're as, you know, uh, uh, whatever, as a car battery or, you know, issues around your house, or if they're deeper, if they're family issues, what, whatever you're going through, whatever worry you have, I want to let you know today, you can face it with confidence. You can face it with confidence. I want to read two scriptures as we start off today. The first one is the one that we've been looking at this whole series. It's our verse for the year, 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. It says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What confidence that gives us to know that every promise God has ever made is rubber stamped and validated by Jesus Christ. That's incredible. That's incredible, and that is good news for us. Now, the other passage I want to read from, I'm going to give you a little Cliff Notes background before we jump into it, but I want us to look at just a few verses from the book of Daniel today. Where we pick up the story is uh, with uh, three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or for all my OG VeggieTale people out there, Shaq, Rack and Benny. Did anyone remember? There's my truly sanctified, born-again people in the room. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these are three guys who, um, you know, they, they were uh, taken from the land of Israel whenever Israel was conquered by the Babylonian Empire. They were taken away, taken to live in Babylon because they were especially handsome and, and strong and smart guys, very articulate. So they were plucked from that kingdom to come to Babylon and to serve in the Babylonian Empire. Now, while there, they were having a hard time trying to remain faithful to God in a pagan empire. We can relate, right? Trying to remain faithful to God in our current day and age. And so they're in this situation. They're trying to remain faithful to God. And all of a sudden, uh, construction begins on a brand new idol, a brand new idol for the people of Babylon to worship. And so uh, uh, an edict, a command goes out to the whole nation saying, hey, as soon as we complete this thing, what needs to happen is every morning there's going to be praise music played. When this music is played, we expect everyone in the kingdom to kneel, to bow, to pay homage, to pay reverence, to worship this image. Now, Rakshak and Benny, they're like, no, we're not, <laughs> we're, we're, we, we're not going to do that. We can't do it. We can't do it. We, we have to remain faithful to God. We can't bow our knee. And so sure enough, the morning comes. The music starts. People start to kneel, but they don't. And that's noticed. It's noticed by important, powerful people. And so they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar, who's asking them, hey, what, what's going on? Music played. You guys didn't kneel. What, what's happening here? And that's where we pick up in verse 16 of chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. This is what scripture tells us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. See, what we're going to talk about today in the remaining time we have together is even if faith. God wants to develop, God wants to build, God wants to cultivate even if faith 
in your life so that you and me, when we face the worst that life can throw our way, when we face the biggest what if the enemy can conjure for us, that we can have even if faith, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we can say, you know what, even if the worst comes to pass, I know I serve a faithful God. I know that God is good, I know that God is great, and I know that no matter what life throws my way, I do not face it alone. So essentially what we're going to do today, we are going to learn to wrestle with our worry. (laughs) We're going to wrestle with worry today. Are you guys ready? You guys ready? Ready online? All right, let's hop in to the sermon. So um, growing up, I've noticed something funny about remote controls. Um, We've kind of been on like a little loop with remote controls. They started off very simple, right? If, if, If you remember the early remote controls, you had like five buttons at, at most, right? It's like power, channel, volume. That's it. Like nothing else. So they started off really simple, and then they started getting progressively more and more complicated, right? Like more, like I've got one of these ones. Um, this is one from uh, like an old DVD player. This thing has 42 buttons on it. 42. It looks like something that you could launch a ship into space with, right? Like it looks pretty, pretty advanced. A lot of buttons on this bad boy. But now we've, we've come full circle again. So we went from simple to complicated to now, um, like I've got, anybody use Roku sticks? Roku sticks, that's what we got, my Roku people out there. Um, this only has like 10 or 12 on it. And a bunch of them are just like hyperlink kind of buttons to get you to your specific app. But outside of that, it's, it's, it's really simple, right? But one thing that I appreciated during the complex days of remote controls is just figuring out what in the world these buttons do. Because there's some of them on here that you're like, what? what? <laughs> like, what, is, what does this do? I remember, and I was trying to find it. I was looking so hard, but I couldn't find it because it was an older remote. But it looked a lot like this one. It was for an old DVD player that I had. And I found it, uh, whenever I had that DVD player, I was younger, I was probably like 13, you know. Um, and on the remote control, there was a button that just said A-B. A-B, has anyone ever seen that before? No, I, I got a weird, I don't know what, <laughs> what like bargain store DVD player this was, but it had an A-B button on it. And I'm like, what is this? So one day, I'm watching a movie, and I hit it to just try to figure out, what does this thing do? I hit it. And all of a sudden, a little A appears in the corner, but the movie keeps playing. I'm like, well, that's weird. Okay. So I hit it again, and then all of a sudden, a B button, or a little B appears right next to the A, and then I notice it starts to loop over again. Like, so basically what this button did is it created an ongoing loop. Like, A is your start point, B is your finish point, and as soon as it plays from A to B, that scene just starts right back over again. And right back over again. And right back over again. And as I hit it, I'm like, what is, what, what's the purpose of this? Like, what, what is this for? What, what, why did someone invent this? But of course, me being an immature little 13-year-old, I found the like, most stupid moments of movies. And I'm like, <laughs> A, B. Like, I'm watching the Dumb and Dumber bathroom scene over and over again. Just, <laughs> this is funny. I've, I've matured greatly since then. Uh, <laughs> But I do, I remember seeing that and being like, what's the, what's the point of this button? This is just a weird thing to have. Uh, but I was thinking about it as I was preparing for the sermon today because I'm like, you know what? As weird as that is, if the enemy, if Satan had a remote control in our life, I bet his remote control would have an A-B button. I bet it would. And it wouldn't be A-B, it would be W and W, worry and what if. Because that's what he wants to do with us. He wants us to get stuck in just this endless loop of worry 
and what ifs, where we are just so paralyzed by what life is bringing our way, we're so paralyzed by the choices that we have to make, by the obstacles that we're going up against, that we can't move on. The enemy has an A-B button, and it is worry and what ifs. That's our sermon title for today. The enemy wants to weigh you down with worry and what ifs. He wants to weigh you down. He wants to keep you in that same loop, living the same question, the same worry, the same fear over and over and over again. That's what he wants. And how he does that, one of the most common ways is he just consistently puts question marks over everything God has ever promised, over everything God has ever told you. There's just a little question mark. In fact, that's the first thing he ever did back in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, we can see the first thing that the serpent did, the first thing that the accuser, that Satan did, was put question marks over what God said. Did God really say that to you? Did God really say you must not eat? Because, man, I, I don't know. What if God's holding out on you? What if God's not telling you the whole story? What if God is just afraid you're going to become like him and he doesn't want that because he's selfish and he's proud and he just wants to be his own special little thing? What if that's all true and God is holding out on the best for your life and these commands, man, you don't, you don't want to follow these. You need to rebel. He's been doing it since the beginning. He has been getting us stuck in these A-B loops over and over and over again, worrying and what ifing ourselves to death. The enemy wants to weigh us down with worry and what ifs. That's, that's what I experienced, I told you guys, a few weeks ago, whenever I was supposed to go to Cedar Point for my sixth grade uh, trip. Last trip of the year, supposed to be a field trip, would have been awesome, and I didn't go. And if I were to give you the reason why I didn't go, it's because I was stuck in a worry and what if time loop. Because see, at the time, I was afraid of roller coasters. I didn't like them whenever I was younger. They freaked me out. Like, Cedar Point had just opened Millennium Force right around the time that we were getting ready to go on our sixth grade trip, and I'm reading about this thing. It's like the world's first strata coaster. Like, the air is more difficult to breathe up there because you're so high. You can feel the wind blow you around. I'm like, that doesn't, no, that's not fun. Like, that doesn't sound fun to me. Like, I don't want to do any of that. Like, it sounds terrible. And so I start getting in this loop of worrying and what ifs where I'm thinking, okay, what if I go? What if I'm like stealing my nerves before we go and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on a roller coaster. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But what if we get there and I don't? What if we get there and I chicken out? What if I, just, I, I can't do it? And then all my friends see that. And they think like I'm, I'm some sort of like scaredy cat. I'm some sort of baby who won't get on roller coasters when everybody else is. What if that happens? What if I get on one and I, I haven't been on one like this? What if I get sick? That'd be embarrassing. What if I get sick in front of everybody? And so I just start living and playing these what ifs over and over again. And then, of course, they start getting crazy. I'm like, what if I get on one that loops and I fall out of it? Like, I just fall out of the thing. Just boop. Like, I'm having all these just irrational, stupid worries that I just, I don't need to worry about, but they're there. And what I wish I could tell you is that those worries and what ifs stopped in sixth grade. They did when it comes to roller coasters. I love them now. But all that's happened is my worries went from things that were rare, like, I mean, really, like, how many people fall out of a roller coaster? Like, it doesn't doesn't happen. That's very rare, right? All that happened is my worries went from being something irrational and rare to stuff very rational and very realistic, (laughs) things that actually, no, they they can't happen. So all that's happened is it's gotten worse. (laughs) My worry and what-ifs are now rational and they're realistic, 
I have a lot of what ifs as a, as a father. Man, I, I think to myself all the time, like, okay, am I, am I like spending enough time with the kids? Am I playing with them enough? Am I, or do we talk about Jesus enough? Like, do we live it out well enough? Do, do, like, are we disciplined? Maybe this is one that other parents go through too. Are we disciplining them right? Because I don't want to like, you know, do the wrong thing and they end up on a counselor's couch one day talking about how their dad messed them up, right? And so we're like, okay, are we too hard? Are we not hard enough? What if we're, what if we're not too hard? What if things go wrong? What if they like rebel? What if they have a period of time where they're not following Jesus? Like all these things just going through your head. I have what ifs as a pastor. My wife can tell you, Jessica, almost every Sunday I get off here after I'm like, be confident. Don't worry about what people say. The second I get down there, was that good? Did that did it suck? I mean, what do you think? Did it connect with people? <laughs> then get back up here, do it all again, second service, right? <laughs> I, I have those. I have that worry and I have that what if. Like, man, did it connect? Are, are, people, are people connecting with this? Does it, does it make sense? The worry and what ifs have not gone away. And if you are anything like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you have worry and what ifs. Maybe you're someone you've never given to God. You've never trusted God with your finances, either here at Cornerstone or any other church. You've just never done it. And the reason is, is because you are stuck in a worry and what if loop. The devil has hit that button and all you think about is, what if I start giving to God and I don't have enough for myself? What if I start giving, but suddenly I can't pay the bills? What if I start doing this, and God doesn't come through for me in the way that I thought he would come through? What if I finally try to make the changes to fix my marriage, but it's already too far gone, and they're not going to try? What, what if I've, I take that step of faith, and I'm not met halfway? What if I pray and I pray and I fast and I pray and I fast for my team to get back and, and start following God but it just doesn't happen. What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I have to imagine, I have to imagine, before we pick up their story in Genesis or in uh, Daniel chapter three, I have to imagine that they had an entire night full of worry and what ifs. Knowing, knowing, because again, we try to, we make these people like they're not real. These were real people. They really lived they really had fear and worry and what ifs just like you and I do. And so I have to imagine that the night before, they know with every minute that passes, dawn is coming, which means the music is going to start and they are going to have to make a choice to either kneel or stand. Imagine what they were thinking in those moments. Man, what do we do? I mean, what, maybe we do like a, a fake out kneel. Like whenever the guy comes by, we act like we're kneeling, but we don't really, then we stand back up real <laughs> quick. Like what, what do we try to fake him out? Maybe, maybe we kneel just for now. And, and God will understand until we can figure out a better way. Maybe we just kneel, but in private we pray that the king would change his mind and, and God will understand that and God will know that we're still faithful to him. What, what do we do? Because, I mean, we can't, we can't defy the king because what if? I mean, what if? What if we actually do that? What would happen to us? You see, why the enemy wants us to get into this loop, this worry and what if loop, he wants us to get there because worry and what ifs lead to waiting and wasting. Isn't it true that whenever you're worried about something or you're asking a lot of what ifs, your natural inclination is to just wait, just stop what you're doing, just hit pause, be like, okay, well, I'm worried, so I'm not gonna take that step. I'm worried, so I'm not gonna trust that thing. I'm, I'm worried, so I'm not gonna try to change anything. I'm just gonna maintain the status quo because there are way too many what ifs out there and I don't wanna deal with them. And what happens is as we wait, all we're doing is wasting time. 
All we're doing is wasting opportunities. All we're doing is wasting more moments to be able to take those steps of faith and trust God. I've shared this story a few times before. Uh, me and my wife, like years ago, we had a Sears credit card. We'd used it for something, forgot to pay the bill off, and we had moved. The forwarding mail didn't come to us until one day we like, had finally gotten a realization of like, oh, that's right, we, we still owed money on that thing. So Jessica talks to her sister, Rachel, and is like, hey, because her, her sister, has, you know, she's farther down the road and stuff uh, when it comes to finances than us. And so she asks, like, hey, what's the, what do you think is the best thing to do here? How should, I, uh, how should we approach this? And her sister's like, okay, well, have they, have they, like, gotten in contact with you recently? No, 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 we just remembered that we owed this. And she's like, okay, well, then just hold on. Don't do anything. Just wait. Just wait. She goes, yeah, a lot of these companies, they literally, they just write that stuff off. You don't even have to worry about it. They just write it off. If you haven't heard from them in literal years, that's probably what's happened with you. And so if all you do is contact them, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, let us bring you back up in our system. Absolutely, you still owe us money. Like, let's, let's pay it. So we're like, okay, that, that makes sense. We'll just keep waiting. <laughs> so we wait until one day a very heavy envelope comes in the mail from the Barberton Municipal Court. Isn't that fun? And it's addressed to us. So we open that bad boy up, and wouldn't you know it, it's a subpoena. Oh, that's great, a subpoena, to come to the court because we haven't paid off this bill. We're like, what? Like, what in the world? Right, uh, Jessica calls her sister Rachel. She's like, thanks a lot. We just got summoned to court for this. Luckily, in the thing, there's a paper that says, like, hey, you don't have to come to court. We're just, you know, essentially we're trying to scare you into paying this thing. So we contacted them. We're like, look, we weren't sorry. Like, we'll, we'll get this thing paid. And so we had to scramble, figure money out to get this thing paid off. But we got it paid off. But I was thinking about that. And I'm like, man, isn't that exactly how it works? You're worried about something. We were worried about the bill, worried about, man, will it come back up? So we waited. Let's just, let's just wait. Let's not do anything drastic. Let's just wait. And while we waited, all we did was waste time. All we did was waste opportunity to slowly and surely save up money so it wouldn't have been a stress to save up little bits here and there to then pay that thing off. Instead, all we did was waste time, waste money, and so then we had to scramble in a mad dash to pay this thing off, right? That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to be so consumed by your worry and your what-ifs that you just wait and you waste time, you waste opportunities, you waste skills, you waste your life. The enemy wants you stuck in the worry and what if loop because the enemy, he, we know he can't destroy us. It's one of God's promises. It's one of those promises that has been validated and yes and amen by Jesus. The enemy cannot destroy you, but he sure as heck can distract you. And he will distract you. He'll be like, okay, I can't destroy you, but man, I can get you so consumed with the worry and the what ifs in your life that it's as good as destroying you because you will be useless. You won't take any audacious steps forward. You won't be bold in your faith. You're just going to be paralyzed by your fear of your worry in what ifs. Confidence and living confidently will be the furthest thing from your mind if you are stuck in a worry and what if loop. I, I wish I could tell you all of the issues that we have had come up at our church since we started our Here and Now campaign. It's funny, I can look around at people on the staff and see the heads going, yeah, <laughs> we, we've just had a lot of stuff happen since we started that campaign uh, uh, last, uh, you know, February and March. It's been crazy, just stuff happening, stuff that's 
weird. Stuff that Pastor Brennan would tell you, uh, uh, stuff that hasn't come up in years in ministry comes up, and people being frustrated and, you know, I hate even saying this, but having people from other churches saying stuff about our church, and you're like, man, this is, this is crazy. Like just a lot of pushback, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. You're like, what in the world is happening? And let me tell you what would have been very easy to do. Thank God we have such a great staff and high-level ministry partners and board of directors here because what would have been easy to do is in the middle of all this stuff where we're worrying and going, whoa, well, what if, what if this happens? And what if them doing this means this? And all these what ifs and worries, it would have been very easy and very tempting to say, you know what, let's just pause. Let's just wait. Let's just hold on. Because apart from all of the other stuff happening, never mind the fact that we're in a pandemic, right? We're, we're trying to build a new building in a pandemic when building materials cost three times what they used to just a couple years ago, right? That's reason enough to feel like, well, I mean, we should just hold on. We should just wait. We should just hit the pause button. Luckily, like I said, we have such fantastic people here at Cornerstone. We didn't do that. Like, no, come hell or high water, we're advancing, we're moving forward in confidence. We're not going to wait and waste away. We're, we're going to continue to take those steps until we, 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 know, we know that we are doing what we are supposed to do. We're just going to keep moving forward with confidence. And so that's what we've been doing. And let me tell you, we, we've, we've been moving forward. We just this week had a meeting uh, with a lender from uh, a bank that works and specializes in working with churches. The meeting went fantastic. They're, you know, they're they're looking at our plans and looking at our financials and saying, yeah, this, I mean, your guy's building. Because I don't know about you guys, but there's always my worry and my what if is, well, what if this building, like we, we go before lenders and like, you can't afford that. Here's what you can afford. And it's like, think a little, little storage shed that we can put a stage in, right? Like, oh, awesome. Yay, go God. Um, <laughs> so there's still that worry and that what if. But man, whenever we met with the lender, they're like, no, your, your plan's these are not like pie in the sky for you. These are all very realistic. We, we absolutely can see this working out for you. So that's exciting. And let me tell you, that wouldn't have happened if we wouldn't have just kept pushing forward through the worry and the what ifs, trusting God to see us through. And that's what we have to do. We have got to push through. That's one of the things the devil does not want you to know about the AB button, about the loop. You see, there were two ways to get out of that thing. I can remember this. There were two ways to get out of that. It, and it wasn't hitting the A, B button again because all that that would do is start a new loop. It would just start a new, a new sequence over and over again. There were two ways you could get yourself out of that whenever you would hit the A, B button. And the first way was by hitting fast forward. If you hit fast forward, it would get you out. And see, I think the same is true in life. Whenever we are so consumed with worry and when we're so consumed by the what ifs that we face in life, I mean, we just got to move forward sometimes. You just got to actually step in faith forward doing the next thing you know God wants you to do. Just do the next thing. Stop living in the middle of that loop and step out in faith. We can overcome the paralysis of the what ifs in life through the productivity of I will. So when you face a what if, start responding to it and say, okay, I will. <laughs> What if this happens? Well, this is what I will do. This is how I will respond and then respond and then act. I can tell you one of the most helpful things I ever did in my life, it's something uh, that I, I tell other people to do whenever they're feeling overwhelmed with worry or stress, is write it down. Write down everything that stresses you out. It might sound counterintuitive, like the, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on it. I want to think on it. That's the best thing you can do sometimes, to dwell on it, to think about it, um, Years ago, I, I won't go into big detail, but whenever we were living in Cleveland trying to start a church up there and things were just so crazy and hectic, 
I'm not kidding. I went through a period of time for about six months. I had an eye twitch from stress. My hair started falling out, and I started getting, um, I, I would get like little rashes across my face of dry skin, all provoked by stress, all provoked by stress. It was a hard, hard time, hard time of life. And I remember during that period of time having so many things on my mind, just feeling like, man, there's just, there's so much. There's just so much. I, you know, just completely just feeling terrible for myself and sorry for myself. Like, God, why do you give your toughest battles to, to me? Like, why do you do this to me? Just completely, you know, just really laying it on thick. And I really, I just felt impressed by God to, you know what, write it down. You think you've got so much going on, I want you to write down everything you can think of, every single thing you can think of that's stressing you out right now. So I did. I got my phone out, I opened up a notes uh, uh, tab, and I started writing down, and I, whenever I say everything, I mean everything. Like, I put down a clogged sink in there, like, that sink's clogged, and just, just the work of unscrewing it, and getting all the stuff out, and getting the new piece at Home Depot, just, it's one of those things, and you know, those worries and what ifs, man, they start to pile up. They start to pile up, and you just feel like you can't do anything. It's that paralysis that you find yourself in. And so I wrote down everything. And I remember there was about, if I remember right, there was about 35 things on my list. And I'm looking at it, and at first I'm like, wow, that's a lot. But it's not as much as I thought it was. Like in my head, I'm like, I have 100 things that are just on my mind. i got to do them. And so actually seeing it, I'm like, well, that's, that's not as bad. And then I start going through the list. I'm realizing, well, some of these things are actually the same thing, like, the, the same thing. So I do that, and it whittles it down from like 35 to like 20. I'm like, wow, okay, this really isn't that bad. And so I'm looking at the list, and I'm like, okay, well, here, first thing on the list. The first thing on my list, we used to have a, a car lease through Serpentini Chevrolet up in Strongsville, and it had, um, I had gone over the mileage in it to go to work whenever I worked at Allstate, so I had to go over the mileage a little bit, and there was like a, a scratch on the back bumper. I remember... That scratch and going over my miles being like, I'm going to owe these people $5,000. Whenever I pull this car into their lot, they're going to look at that scratch and be like, well, the car's totaled. We have to buy us a brand new car. And <laughs> be like, oh, crap. I <laughs> uh, don't know what to do here. So um, I was freaking out over it. And I remember seeing it on my list and being like, well, you know what? I, I just call them. I'll just call them. I'll tell them what's going on and see what happens. So I called them, you know, took a picture of the scratch, sent it to him, told him how much mileage was over, and it wasn't bad. I can't even remember. I think it was like five-something, maybe. I can't, I can't remember the exact amount. It's like 500. I'm like, that's, that's it? No, that's not bad. I was, I was building this up in my head to be way worse than it actually was. I'm like, wow, okay. So then I tackled the next thing on my list, and the next thing. I just did the next thing that I could do to help push those things towards completion. And, man, let me tell you, that helped me so much just realizing, man, the worry and what ifs in my life, sometimes the only way to break that loop is just by acting, just by doing something, doing the next thing that I know I'm supposed to do. We can either, and here's the truth, we can either work out the worries in our life, we can just work our way out of them, or the worry will work us out. <laughs> It'll work us right out of God's plan for our life, right out of God's purposes for our life, you will shrink back and you will be paralyzed from the things that God has called you to do, the people he's told you to get invested in, the ways he's called you to sacrificially give. You will never step into those things because you'll be so consumed by the worry and what ifs in your life. We're gonna talk more on that next week. Um, now today, this is, this is what I'll say. It's very tempting for me to end the sermon right here uh, 
because that, that preach is good. Like, if you, if you have worry, just work it out, right? Just work it out. Amen. God will, God will help you, and you can work through every worry. What I'll tell you, though, is that work doesn't work on every worry. It just doesn't. Work does not work on every worry because sometimes the worry that you have is completely and utterly legit. You should be worried. You should be worried. Um, I remember me and my sister uh, in September of 2018 uh, having a conversation on our family vacation late at night. I'm sure she can remember it too. I can like almost remember uh, like exact phrases from our conversation. Um, We were the only ones awake and we were talking uh, a long time about my dad's health because my dad's knee had been jacked up and it wasn't getting any better. It was progressing worse actually. And I remember us sitting and talking to me like, man, if his if his knee doesn't get better, like, what's going to happen? I mean, what if this doesn't get any better? I mean, how's this actually going to play out? And we talked a lot that night about my dad's health, asking a lot of what ifs, having a whole lot of worry. And guess what happened? He didn't get better. He didn't get better. That was in September of 2018. By January of 2019, he was dead. He was gone. He, he, he passed away. And we worked in that in-between time. It's not like we were just, you know, just, just praying and just doing that. No, we were praying, and we were also doing what we knew we, sh- we should do. We were, my mom was taking him into doctor's appointments. We were trying to help him in any way we possibly could to figure this thing out. Sometimes work doesn't work on your worry. Sometimes the worst thing imaginable happens. Sometimes your worry becomes reality and the what if becomes a what now the what if that you're like man well what if this happens well sometimes it it transitions and it becomes a what now and what are we going to do now how are we going to move forward now how are we going to live in this new way and this is just the truth of the matter so many of us me included we do not want to grapple with a what if becoming a what now we don't even want to think about it we put it off we don't want to deal with the the weight of a what now (laughs) We, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about what it would be like if they died, if I lost that job, if she got sick. We don't want to think about what it would be like if our child who seemed a little bit behind in first grade and then more behind in second grade and now in third grade, they, they're the outlier in their class. We don't even want to think about it. We don't even want to entertain it. We don't even want to consider that the six months you haven't been able to get pregnant has now become a year and now a year and a half and two years and you don't even want to wrestle with the idea of if that what if becomes a what now. Just yesterday, just yesterday I was on Twitter just, you know, minutes before I left my house to come over here to start prepping for a service last night and I was on Twitter and I saw a tweet come by, and it was a, a picture, a sweet little picture of a mom holding her baby's hand, a little two-year-old. And it just said, uh, prayers for my little guy. Um, he's having a really hard time breathing. Uh, his vitals are all over the place. The doctors don't, we have no idea what's going on. And the doctors say, at this moment, he is only living because of the machines. Please pray. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I click on that because it had gone viral. Like 35,000 people had liked it and were saying that they were praying. So I click on it. And I see she had had one new post since then, and it was a GoFundMe for his funeral. The, the baby had died. And I remember in that moment, as soon as I saw that, you want to know what I did? Swiped right out of Twitter, right out of it. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. Because what it does is it makes me start thinking about my little two-year-old. It starts making me think about my kids. And guess where my mind started to go? 
man, what if something like that would happen to me? Man, what if, what if Griffin would get sick? I remember whenever he was sick before, and my God, that was so scary. And man, what, what if our kids got sick? When was the last time we got them into the doctor? Okay, well, what if next time we take them in, what if something's wrong? What, what, what stuff runs in our family again? What stuff runs in Jessica's family? We need to look into that. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in the worry and what if. I'm in, I'm in the cycle. And it's amazing how quickly I'm trying to shut that off and not even entertain it, not even think about it, just completely, you know, zone out. A lot of us, we, we had a funeral here yesterday. I'm sure a lot of people in the funeral were doing exactly what people do at every funeral, trying to check out whenever they think about their own mortality. Like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to consider it. I don't even want to think about the fact that one day people are going to be doing this for me. A lot of worrying what ifs, we don't even want to consider them. We don't want to think about it. But what if ignoring the what if is the worst thing we can do? What if ignoring it is actually the worst thing we can do? Because let me tell you this, a, neglect, a neglected what if can get worse. It can become reality. And then that thing that you neglected ever thinking about, ever considering about, ever wondering what you would do in the aftermath, suddenly it's not a hypothetical anymore. It is very real, and you're living in it. And you've given it no thought. You've given it no prayer. You've given it no preparation. You've not offered anything to God up to that point, and now you're just stuck. Not in a what if anymore, but in a what now. So with that in mind, what I want to challenge everybody to do today is replace that what if of worry that you have, replace that what if of worry with an even if of faith. Stop asking what ifs and start asking or declaring even if. You know, even if the worst thing imaginable happens, I know that God is faithful and I know that he will see me through. Replace every what if of worry with an even if of faith. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. That's what we saw from Daniel 3.16 through 18. They had to be wondering. They had to be asking their own what ifs, having their own worry that they're trying to navigate and work through, right? They had to. They're humans just like us. But in the middle of it, we see it in their response. Let me read it one more time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They're declaring, hey, we know what God is capable of doing. In this situation, what if, well, what if the worst thing happens? We know God can deliver us from it, but look at what they do. But even if he does not, they play that thing out. They take it to its logical conclusion. If the outcome we want to see happens, happens, awesome, glory to God. But even if it doesn't, even if we face our own death, even if we go into the furnace, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. You see, they knew in the midst of every fear-filled worry is a faithful God. They knew that. And so that's why they could stare a what-if in the face and say, even if, even if that happens, even if the worst thing imaginable happens to me, we will remain faithful because we know God is faithful. You see, I told you there were two ways to get out of that A-B loop. One was hitting fast forward. The other way was hitting the play button. And for a lot of us, that's what we need to do. Play that worry out. Play it out to its logical conclusion. I know you don't want to. I know it's scary. You don't even want to consider that that thing could happen, that you really could lose your job and be laid off. 
Even though your company's making the cuts, you're thinking you're going to be the one. (laughs) I'll be safe. I'll be safe because I don't even want to entertain what if that was me. You don't want to entertain if that person dies. You don't want to entertain if the sickness gets worse. You don't even want to entertain that. I would encourage you to entertain it, to play that thing out. Play it out to its logical conclusion, and I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you will see that at the end of every fear-filled worry is a faithful God. At the end of every single one, play it out. Me and Rachel, we played out my dad's death that night. We played it out. We asked the what-ifs. We talked about our worries and what we would do. And so when it hit, when my dad passed away unexpectedly, whenever that happened, yes, the grief came. Yes, the sadness came. Yes, the, the, the pain and the loss hit. But man, we had even if faith. So it didn't hit the way that it normally hits. It didn't hit the way that it probably should have hit. It hit different. <laughs> Because our faith wasn't what if and what now faith, it was even if faith. Even if my dad doesn't get better, we know God's faithful. God's faithfulness isn't dependent on the circumstance. We know God's still faithful, and we know he's still going to see us through. He'll get us through. Somehow, we'll be able to stare down the worst the enemy can throw at us and make it through. We, we know that, and we experience that to be true. So many people in our church have experienced that to be true. I was just talking with Wayne Sims last night, um, and he was reminding me about people in our church who have had this even if faith. We have a, a, an incredible saint in our church, Debbie Knickerbocker, who, who she's been in heaven for a while now. But man, whenever she was younger, uh, her and her husband uh, got pregnant. She gave birth to her daughter, Kelly, and the very next day, he, he was in war at Vietnam, the very next day he was killed. Very next day. And so now Debbie faced this new reality this, I'm sure she had asked what if so many times. What if something happens to him over there? What if he doesn't come home? Well, that what if became a what now. But thank God Debbie had even if faith. And so she, she raised Kelly to follow the Lord. She followed the Lord. Now Kelly's uh, uh, following the Lord in a very real way. And it's all happening because of even if faith. Because of someone playing out the worst that life could throw their way and trusting God with it. And knowing that there's a faithful God at the end of every fear-filled worry. The same can be true for you, and the same can be true for me. We can know that in the middle of every worry, God is there, and that our faith can bounce back from even the worst that life throws our way. I want to read just one more verse as we get ready to close out our time today. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come back up. This is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. This is what it says. For we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. And weaknesses right there, what that means is just just the normal weaknesses that humanity has, the, the struggles that we have, the ways that we fall short. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with those weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. And what temptation right there means is he has been put under trial in every way. The obstacles we face are the obstacles that Jesus face. He has faced all those obstacles in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Yet he did not miss the mark. Let us then, in light of this, approach God's throne with gra- of grace with confidence. Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When that worry becomes a reality, when that what if becomes a what now, The God who is the source of our confidence 
is a God who promises, and remember, his promises are yes and amen. They are yes and so be it. He promises that in that moment, when it feels like life is too much, when it feels like the grief is too much, the pain is too much, in that moment, we can receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So we can dive down to the bottom of our greatest fear, of our greatest worry, of our greatest what if, and see that there is still a faithful God and that our faith can bounce back. We can get back to the surface. The waves of grief may hit you, but, but they don't overtake you because our God is a faithful God. He's a faithful God. He's, he's a God who's been faithful in our past. He's faithful in our present. And he'll be faithful in our future. So all of those worries and what ifs that we have that we struggle with, we can just put those at his feet. Put it at his feet and say, God, here, I'm, I'm trusting you with this. I'm gonna try to work myself out of the worries that I can work myself out of, but all the other ones, God, I'm just gonna play it out and trust and know that you are faithful at the end of it. And we know that's true because God has been faithful then and he's gonna be faithful now. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.